Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. You know success when you see it, or you think you do, the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. It's Friday, folks. TGIF, former Vice President Joe Biden. Well, he's making jokes about touching in his first appearance since women's complaints come forward. Should he be laughing this off or not? Plus, Jobs Day, the latest on the jobs numbers and, of course, the latest on U.S.-China trade policy. President Trump He's not backing down against the central bank. He's urging the Federal Reserve to open up monetary floodgates to juice the economy. Uh, And here to walk through all of the politics and policy with us, David Livingston, his first time on the program. He is a deputy director in the Atlantic Council's Global Energy Center. He also leads the council's work on climate and advanced energy. Previously, he was a fellow at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, uh, and uh, he also earlier uh, graduated from USC, a USC guy, but you weren't on the rowing team. Well, just for one year, but I did this pre-Photoshop. Sorry, uh, we had some technical... You weren't on the rowing team? No, no, no. Well, I, I was for one year, but I did all that pre-Photoshop. Okay. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Don't tell Lori Lachlan. And Al Weaver is a reporter now for The Hill Newspaper, first time on the program since being on... The Hill newspaper, newspaper, big, big coup for The Hill to land Al Weaver. Thank you for coming on, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Too kind. So did you hear, we're going to get this later, but former Vice President Joe Biden, Al, is laughing off the allegations of misconduct against him. Uh, he's been joking about this. He had a speech at the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Friday uh, and was speaking in Washington, D.C., to union workers, and he made two jokes, two jokes about asking for permission to hug people. And this, of course, was his first appearance since the emergence of the complaints from women. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity. He's looking at this as an opportunity for him to move past this nightmarish this news cycle. I mean, this was just the ultimate drip, drip, drip. I mean, you look at the past couple of years, there have been very few news cycles that have lasted more than a day or two. 
And this happened the last five or six days, almost a full week. Um, and Biden, you know, he had the speech today, and it was really a chance for him to try to move past this. And I think he's really trying to do that. I mean, you saw his uh, chat with uh, on, on Twitter the other day. He put the video up, his speech today. It's, it's something he's trying to get as, uh, as he prepares to launch his campaign probably in like the next couple of weeks. And we are going to have much more on former Vice President Joe Biden, and I will play for folks what precisely the joke was and the reaction has been mixed certain democratic strategists say hey he should be laughing about this there's no criminal complaints no legal fault here others are saying absolutely not this is the me too era and and this is he can't be laughing about this we're going to come have much more on former vice president joe biden coming up and the impacts that that could have on his potential likely 2020 presidential campaign run. But the day kicked off with solid jobs numbers, 169,000 jobs added to the uh, U.S. economy. The unemployment rate held steady at 3.8%. The president says he likes it, but he also took the opportunity to ding the central bank chairman, Jerome Powell. Herman Cain likely will echo. Uh, (laughs) You know, I mean, it was it was interesting because as this was happening, the president was taking off to go to the border where he was going to address and did address uh, the U.S.-Mexico border. He dings Chairman Powell. He gets solid jobs numbers uh, and then threatens to raise tariffs on on auto imports coming from Mexico. But let's start with jobs, David Livingston. Solid day for jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Very solid day for jobs. I mean, it's it's uh, the economy by all by all uh, objective metrics is very healthy right now. Um, and so it, it actually, you know, it, it calls into question kind of the whether we should be focusing on monetary policy right now or whether we should be using this as an opportunity for more structural reforms that could put the economy uh, uh, in a direction to sustain that growth over over a long time and ride through whenever, you know, we'll see the end of this business cycle, uh, ride through that and and lean into the sort of industries we need to be leaning into so that when we come out the other side, the economy is just as strong again. 196,000, 196,000 jobs were added to the U.S. economy uh, last month, according to the Department of Labor. And again, unemployment unchanged at 38 if you dig a little deeper into the numbers, uh, there was potentially some relief amongst concerns about a cooling economy, which is why I was like stunned, Al, that virtually in real time, as we're dissecting and sorting through the jobs numbers, we get these tweets from President Trump saying that uh, he's not going to close the border. He still might, but he is threatening now not just to close down parts of the border but to raise tariffs by 25%, 25%, not against the Chinese, but against Mexico autos. And I believe we have a soundbite from President Trump earlier today on specifically whether or not he changed his mind about shutting the borders, but now he's threatening tariffs. Here's President Trump earlier. Uh, I never changed my mind at all. Uh, I may shut it down at some point, but I'd rather do tariffs. So Mexico, I have to say, has been very, very good, you know that, over the last four days since I talked about shutting down the border. So there's President Trump 
Is he going to shut down the border or raise tariffs? I mean, what, it's, it's hard to look at this out and not see a change in policy. Well, I think right now you have a lot of things moving. A lot of, there's a lot of moving pieces right now with this, with this proposal. You have uh, the USMCA, which he needs to get through Congress. It's something he's really been tra- talking about, but a lot of members of Congress, I know Chuck Grassley and some of them have been saying, you know, if you, if you go ahead and do something like this on Mexico or whatever you do, this is really going to imperil the USMCA in trying to get this passed. So that's one thing he's got to deal with. Uh, the border issue, he, you know, we just talked about the jobs numbers. We just talked about the economic numbers this, this, uh, that's going on through this administration. And you've had the likes of my son, um, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Ted Cruz, who is by you know by no means a uh, uh, you know he, he's very Liberal. strong on the border. He's very strong on the border. Yeah, <laughs> he's very strong on the border. But it's also one of the things he says this could be catastrophic for the economy if you end up closing the border. And the president's hearing this from more and more people, and it remains to be seen if he's going to listen to them. It really does. Uh, I talked to Mark Meadows yesterday, and he basically said, "Well, the president, you know, everyone acts like the president doesn't know what he's been talking about here and, and doesn't realize the other side." And he's like, "Well, he does realize the other side." So um, I think it's to jump all the point what he ends up doing david you're like i can see you've got something to say especially for 25 percent terror well i was thinking back so i I was looking at this today and i I thought it was really interesting there was a study apparently done by accenture back in the final year of the bush administration that found that at the i think it was the three or four busiest points of entry along the the southern border of the united states um there were delays in excess of one hour and the study found i think that there was a cost of $116,000 for each minute of delay of those 60 minutes plus a delay at the border so it just shows you kind of the 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 mounting uh uh pile of costs that we would see if if he actually did take these i spent the entire week for bloomberg television tracking vice premier uh, of china meeting with treasury secretary mnuchin and uh u.s trade representative lighthizer and then we get this tweet Friday morning, and it's like, Tom Keene, rip up the script because Trump's threatening 25% tariffs against, not China, not Europe even, but against uh, against Mexico. Much more coming up uh, with our panel. David Livingston putting on his trade cap for us. He was ultimately in the Obama administration the acting assistant U.S. trade representative for congressional affairs. That's an official title. Well, I, I spent much of that as just a director for congressional affairs, but I learned the I, I learned as many do that if you stick around to the uh, the bloody last hour of any administration, you walk away with a fancy title. Oh, so modest, <laughs> David Livingston. First time on the program. We're talking trade. We're talking Biden. What does it mean? He's laughing it off. And of course, Al Weaver here. Al, you've got a new newsletter. I do. It's the Morning Report, the Hill's Morning Newsletter. Everyone should subscribe. Okay, Al Weaver, national political reporter at The Hill. And I'm Kevin Cirilli. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can find me as well as my colleagues on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. On Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Our country's doing unbelievably well economically. Most of you don't report that because it doesn't sound good from your perspective. But uh, the country's doing really, really well. Mr. President, we do report the news. And I can tell you that earlier today, folks, uh, payrolls rose 196,000. 
Uh, so the U.S. added 196,000 jobs to the economy, according to the Labor Department. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Unemployment rate unchanged at 3.8%. The president talking about the economy, and it has been a whip-roaring week with economic developments on the U.S.-China trade front uh, as talks between President Trump and China Vice Premier Li He have concluded. He stuck around the Chinese Vice Premier to continue meeting with some economic advisors for today. It looks like ultimately there could be a one-off meeting between President Trump and Chinese President Xi Jinping sometime in the next couple of weeks at the earliest, but the president uh, also earlier this morning downplaying some expectations just a bit in terms of saying whether or not the U.S. and China final trade agreement would be reached. He backed off after sounding a bit more optimistic last night. Either way, when President Trump and President Xi do come face to face, the White House is strongly forecasting that it will be a conclusive meeting and not a dramatic one or one with uncertainty. Uh, markets like that and edged upwards on the news. Here to walk us through all of the different politics and policy, David Livingston, first time on the program. He's the deputy director in the Atlantic Council's Global Energy Center. Previously, uh, he served in the U.S. Trade Representative Office in the Obama administration and ended as the acting assistant U.S. Trade Rep for Congressional Affairs. Al Weaver, friend of the program, now at the Hill newspaper, author of the Hill's political tip sheet. The Morning Report. The Morning Report. You can't start your day without it. And Al Weaver, also a Philadelphia native. Uh, so I, I want to continue with the economy, though. We were talking earlier about uh, the, the president's threat, really, David, to increase to 25% auto tariffs. What economic impact would that have? Earlier in the week when the president was threatening to shut down the border, we, we talked about how manufacturers would be impacted by that, how manufacturers are against that, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is against that. But what would a 25 percent auto tariff do uh, to the economy? It would be huge. It would also complicate, I think, the, the passage of USMCA in a way because we've got a, we've got a side letter in the U USMCA agreement which was supposed to prevent just this from taking place. Um, so it would be extremely you know, deleterious to the U.S. economy, um, and it's a, it's a really blunt weapon to use as well, right? So it's very difficult to kind of predict um, uh, you know, how, you can insulate this, how you can insulate the broader U.S. economy from some of the effects of this. And so I think it's, it's playing with fire a little bit. Um, and hopefully it's rhetoric, just rhetoric. But, you know, time will tell, I guess. And the trade story, I mean, Guy Johnson over in our London Bureau, he told me earlier today that he was like, this is like the president's threats to Mexico. It's like the U.S. version of a hard Brexit. I, <laughs> I was like, Guy, you know, that's actually a pretty good analogy. I mean, here we are, our friends, our colleagues across the pond. But, Al, I, I'm, I'm really struck just to see – the economics of this, it really has become a three-pronged trade war. You've got U.S. and China, U.S. and Europe, and U.S. and, I mean, I'll say Mexico, but I, to some extent, Canada, no, no disrespect to the Canadians, but it's really between the U.S. and Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Canada wasn't it. But, yeah, right now it's, 
<sighs> but the ba- but but my question to you from yeah. the political angle is that he's going after the same audience that former Vice President Joe Biden addressed earlier today in Washington, which is union workers. No, you're right about that. I mean, the president. I mean, you you mentioned Biden. That's the last couple of days. That's outside of you know some of these other issues. That's who he's been focusing on. I mean, you can tell the White House has has him in their in their in their uh, crosshairs. And right this now. is a working class message. Yes, exactly. I mean, he's. This is a message that he's trying to appeal to the folks to help get him, re- get him elected in 2016. You have the folks in Pennsylvania, the folks in Wisconsin, the folks in Michigan. Those are the ones he's going to have to go after to get to win. I mean, he's struggling in some of those places right now. I mean, that's the place where uh, place, I mean, Biden the other day. You look at the news that he was out in Scranton doing his, uh, his, his promotional video where he's taping that. That's probably going to go up in the next few weeks when he ends up announcing everything. Um, yeah, I mean, the president, he's underwater in some of those states, and he needs to rectify those if he's going to win. And David Livingston, I mean, these states, Pennsylvania, it, it, it's ground zero for the trade uh, issues of China, of Mexico, of, of auto imports and, and tariffs and with regards to Europe. And so the president in Scranton, I have to give a shout out to my late grandmother, Mimi. She's also was a Scranton local. Uh, but th- but those are the towns, Scranton, Pennsylvania, uh, Youngstown, Ohio, where, where Congressman Tim Ryan, uh, who another threw his name into the rank, he is uh, running for president. I mean, th- th- this is the, the issue that, that the White House is banking on will carry them into a second term. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yet where we end up, I think, with, with for all the sound and fury with, uh, with U.S.-Mexico, where we're ending up at is something which is just kind of a, a, a modified version of what was in the TPP agreement, right? So we're going to get, you know, uh, higher standards. We're going to get new chapters on, on, uh, on uh, you know, enhancing our work on services, on digital, on things like that. Um, we're going to raise labor standards in Mexico. And, the, you know, the grand total of that will probably be less than the ultimate impact that we were going to get with, with TPP, see, which is going to be, you know, I- income increases of $150 billion a year aggregate in the U.S. by the time TPP was going to be fully right, implemented. I could nerd out over TPP and the differences of USMCA and, and all of that. But, but take uh, – let, let's – Come out for air from from the weeds for just a second. Take us behind the scenes, because what President Trump did today is he sent a tweet that threatened to raise tariffs to 25 percent on autos coming from Mexico. Contrast that when you were working in the U.S. Trade Representative under uh, uh, Mr. Froman, right? So who I believe we're going to interview next week. But when you were in USTR, David Livingston, what goes on in the meetings of, of, of analyzing and announcing a threat even to, to increase <laughs> tariffs on 25% versus what we saw today, which was a tweet? Serious, serious question. Well, and, and I'll give you a serious answer. I mean, the serious answer is I didn't have that much experience with that because I think that Ambassador, Ambassador Froman was, you know, mostly in the business of, of trying to uh, uh, quietly but firmly behind the scenes negotiate uh, a lowering of tariffs in, in things like, uh, you know, in things like TPP in the, in the attempts at, at the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership, TTIP. So a lot of what we were doing was, you know, very much behind the scenes work and trying to understand uh, your trade partners needs, trying to understand their domestic politics and then trying to understand the nature of the markets that you were trying to open up and find a win win. You know, what's going on behind the scenes in USTR is probably there are a lot of people that that are, you know, that are. Uh, surprised as we are by the president's tweets and that the president's tweets are guiding trade policy rather than uh, Ambassador Lighthizer. But, over but, but at, these over meetings, the I mean, when we say the, the, the figure of speech behind the scenes, these are actually meetings that are taking place 
inside of the White House on conference calls with global counterparts, right? And, and, and so – and not just in real time. And, and look, this is just a contrast. This is truly a study in contrast when you have the president, for example, airing his differences with his U.S. trade representatives at a photo op in front of reporters like he did the other week. This is a different way to conduct foreign policy. Absolutely. And it's a different way of linking trade policy with foreign policy, which we haven't seen previously. We're not talking about threatening auto tariffs on Mexico in the context of trying to get a better trade deal with Mexico, right? We're talking about this strange contamination of trade policy as a spillover from the president's desires on migration, which, you know, seems to be kind of a, a moving goal line from day to day in terms of what he wants to see from our southern neighbor. And the, and the funny thing about this whole thing is, is- these are the two issues where if you're ever going to say there's two issues, the president is, is pretty dead set. You're going to talk about trade and you're going to talk about immigration. And it's funny because they're, they're merging right now. And they really haven't in the, in the first couple of years. Um, and you look at what happened. I mean, the immigration, he's been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, about closing the border, about what he's going to do with Mexico. You see him at the border today. And finally, it, it, it collides with his other favorite topic. It's, it's really so kind smart. of fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is. The wall and tariffs collide. All right, coming up, uh, much more on the impacts of trade policy on the 2020 presidential cycle. We focus on the central bank as well, the president continuing his criticisms against uh, the Fed chairman, Jay Powell. Panel stays Al Weaver, national political reporter at The Hill newspaper, and David Livingston, deputy director of climate and advanced energy at the Atlantic Council, previously at the USTR in the Obama administration. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business, demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Looking at the yield curve and other uh, market-based measures, uh, I think on their time, the Fed is independent. I want to emphasize that. The Fed is independent. But the president has said, and I concur, that... um, I think that we could do at some point with some reductions in the Fed's target rate. That was Larry Kudlow speaking to my colleague earlier today on Bloomberg Television, Jonathan Farrow, uh, and really echoing what President Trump had to say in terms of the pressure that the administration is putting 
on the central bank. And it's spilling out into nominees for the Fed board. Stephen Moore of the previously of the Heritage Foundation, he authored the book Trumponomics. Uh, really, it was a, a glowing critique, or not even a critique, it was a glowing endorsement of uh, President Trump's economic policies. And now Herman Cain, Herman Cain, formerly of the Kansas City Fed, and of course, obviously, of uh, Republican conservative political punditry fame, he has now been also nominated to the Fed board. It's going to be fascinating to see how those two individuals shake up the the politics and and the policy of what had largely been, dare I say it, for all intents and purposes, a pretty boring institution in terms of how the mainstream media would, would, would focus on it. David Livingston is deputy director of climate and advanced energy at the Atlantic Council. He previously served in the Obama administration in the U.S. Trade Representative's office. Al Weaver is a national political reporter at The Hill. Al, you were... You were you were emotive when I was discussing Stephen Moore and Herman Cain nominees to the Fed board. And quite honestly, I don't think most people would know what the Fed board even is, but people know who Herman Cain is. People know who he is. The people know who Stephen Moore is. And, and it's, it's really just interesting to watch the president go out and, and tap these, these major supporters of his at this point. I mean, these, these people have been out there stumping for him for years at this point. But is that rare? I mean, you don't get a job in a White House unless you support the the, the, the True, but, it, true the but it's also people in the Republican Party that they haven't exactly been supporting lately. I mean, Herman Cain especially. Certainly more a little less so because he's a heritage guy. Yeah. He, was on, he was Wall Street Journal or a writer for a long time. Um, but Herman Cain's an odd one. But, not, not, not many yeah. people saw that one coming. I think that's where it comes from. Also, I mean, let's not forget, I mean, the president's appointed others to the to the board so far that just haven't garnered this sort of uh, yeah. kind of... Uh, well, usually the Fed board jobs are kind of like, I mean, respectfully to, to everyone in the Fed, I mean, they, it's not something that is... It should be boring. It should be, uh, <laughs> you know, it should be boring. I don't and, think and, anything uh, in monetary policy is boring, well, David Livingston. Well, you're in the right job working for Bloomberg then, and I would tend to agree with you. But, but, the, but the, you know, the point here is what will be really interesting to see, right, is you have someone who's been an active and vocal supporter of a gold standard because they're worried about runaway inflation. You've and had a, McCain. Right, exactly. You've had someone else who's not necessarily on the side of a gold standard, but who's, um, who's spoken positively about uh, a broader basket of commodities uh, that, that the dollar could see be more to. literally said on the record that he thinks Chair Powell should be fired. I mean, that's pretty... So here, here's what I would say in terms it's of... It's going to be a fun first day at work, right? Well, if they can get confirmed. And, and, and truly, I mean, it, you look at the politics and Senator Mitt Romney, a Republican from Utah, forecasting earlier this week that there would be difficulty for someone like a Herman Cain. But truly, with these names, I, I mean, what do you say, David Livingston, to, I mean, uh, to those who say... Okay, well, they have a point of view. Everyone on the various Fed boards have had ha, have different points of views. There are much more progressive Fed presidents, Fed board members. Uh, there are more conservative ones. These are just, you know, these are just more nationally known. It's true, and and in fact, it's it's also true that there's. It, it's not new that, that there can be tension between your Federal Reserve Board and the president and that there can be political pressures. This or goes tension, back. not to interrupt you, or tension amongst the Fed board. I mean, look back at the 08 collapse. 
Go ahead. Absolutely. Go and go even further back. Go back to you know the Truman presidency, Mariner Eccles, pressure during the Korean War to you know to have looser monetary policy. Just got the, really historical. Wow. On a Friday, I feel like a history lesson from David Livingston. Wow. Al Weaver shaking his head. He's like, how did I even get out of the Nat Stadium? Yeah, where did that come night? from? Yeah. Where did that come from? But let's stay there because I also covered your old boss when Larry Summers got his Fed chair tanked torpedoed by Senator Elizabeth Warren and or because he was too outspoken. I mean, Larry Summers more outspoken than Herman Cain. I mean, but Fed politics right now has just totally been flipped upside down. What's critical, though, right, is that you just have some sort of ideological constancy or some sort of ideological framework in which you know that these individuals are going to be operating for, you know, for a for a functioning uh, and healthy monetary policy for the United States. And I think when you when you have folks that it, on the one hand or at one moment are very, very focused on, a, you know, a gold standard or a, a commodity basket uh, linked to the dollar and are worried about runaway inflation – in an economy that arguably had, well, I would say demonstrably had much more slack in the past than the economy has now, um, and, and now they're much more dovish, it, it, it calls into question, I guess, just what's going to be the, the, the guiding framework um, that these individuals are going to operate with. You know what I think, Al, from a political standpoint? Yeah. I think that the president is setting up his political army to blame the Fed should there actually be a recession on the horizon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's his relationship right now with Jerry Powell is, is uh, it's really bad in the public. I mean, Jerry Powell, he's, next week he's speaking at the House Democratic retreat. You know, I mean, it's at that point, you know, I mean, him and, him and Powell. Next week's going to be next week's going to. And he did a six minutes interview. All right. Much more on the on the. Well, we're going to leave the tension there, but much more on the tension in the Democratic primary, which is. Oh yeah. I, it, is it a laughing matter? We're going to we're going to talk about it. Former Vice President Joe Biden joking about the rough week that he's had uh, in the media. Panel stays on Kevin Cirilli download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on radio.com, iHeartRadio and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 991. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Friday, folks. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Busy week. We made it to Friday. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Roads are slick. Make sure you're driving carefully. Really, the big story in Washington today was all about trade. Whether it's the president's relationship with China, he concluded talks with China Vice Premier Le Hua uh, this, w- this week, and then he headed down to the border and threatened to raise tariffs by 25% on Mexican autos, uh, while also still dangling that he could shut down parts of the border as well, though he kind of backed off on that. And then, of course, what's going on in Europe, uh, and the president you know, suggesting that tariffs might be easing back. Maybe it's still a big maybe on China, but raising tariffs on the Europeans. All of this plays out internationally, and we've covered the international landscape, international landscape. But it also has crucial impacts on the 2020 presidential race, because in states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, 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 as well as Wisconsin uh, and other states, this is where the trade impacts are truly being felt. It's why we're so glad we have an all-star panel with us for the hour. Al Weaver is a national political reporter at The Hill. David Livingston is deputy director 
for Climate and Advanced Energy at the Atlantic Council. He previously served in the Obama administration at the U.S. Trade Representative's office. So this now put on our political cap for us because the centrist candidate right now, arguably in the Democratic field, is former Vice President Joe Biden. He had a pretty rough week, to put it mildly, as he was attacked by even like Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi for his relationship and his apology, or and it wasn't really an apology, for uh, he for 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 relationships with women in the sense of how he you know made them feel and interactions and exchanges uh, with women dating back to 2009. There's two incidences that have been discussed. So Joe Biden speaking in Washington D.C. at the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers earlier today. He faces not just – I don't really think he was playing for the media. He was playing not even for the room. He was playing for that crowd, for union workers. And he did not apologize. He made the choice to to make a joke of the uh, – I don't want to – I mean of, of the reports that have come out within the past week. I want to play the joke that former Vice President Biden had to say. Here's the former Vice President. I just want you to know I had permission to hug Lonnie. I mean, you, hear, you hear the laughter? There? I, I want to play this again. Here's the former vice president. Take a listen to the laughter at the end of this. Here he is. I just want you to know I had permission to hug Lonnie. I mean, you, you, you I, uh... All right, Al. So I had some Democratic staffers texting me and saying, this was genius. He has nothing to be ashamed of. He should keep going this route. He did nothing wrong. He, there is no, there, literally, there's no legal filing. I mean, there's no court case. There's no misconduct being alleged. Uh, and then I had, there were others who were critical of it and saying, why is he making a joke of this? This is absolutely the wrong approach. You know, there's two things that's really kind of striking to me here. One, one is that I, I'm pretty sure... The President Trump, if he wants anything to happen, the, the one, one thing he wants to happen more, more than anything with this whole Biden thing is for him to apologize. And that's why that's part of the reason why I don't think he wills, because it just plays into, into the president's hands. Number two, you know, why? We always, why does it play in the president's hands? Well, the president's always saying, you know, well, why would you apologize? He, he hasn't right. apologized for anything over the last couple of years. And they're all fighting over the same voters right now. Exactly. The 70,000 exactly. voters in Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Yeah. Those working the ones, class the voters ones that'll decide from everything. Obama yes. to Trump. Yeah, I think that. And the other thing, you know, it's always funny. We always go back last decade or so, and you always talk about Republicans and how, you know, with that, what happened with the Tea Party, what happened with the Freedom Caucus, and what happens with right-wing challengers in various races. And we always talk about Republicans eating their own. And right now you're looking at Democrats kind of doing this. And, and of all people, you're doing it with Joe Biden. I mean, led by the, you know, the, uh, a lot of people are alleging that it's the Bernie folks that are spreading this. You have a couple of these folks who are Bernie, who are Bernie supporters in 2016. It's really kind of striking. You see the Democrats kind of going out and doing this to all people. Joe yeah, but Biden. Hillary Clinton did it to, to Bernie Sanders, respectfully. Remember the whole Bernie bros thing? I yeah. mean, the, the back in the... So, yeah, Democrats, I it, I, I hear your point. Yeah. David but, Livingston, go ahead. Well, I, I just wanted to say, Kevin, I mean, so why is there so much, you know, interest in, in Biden? I mean, number one, of course, he was the vice president. But number two, he's viewed as one of the Democrats' only candidates who has this appeal to those 70,000 voters you talked about, right? Those blue-collar workers that, that are a bit tossed between kind of the the Republican and the Democratic Party, depending on the election cycle. 
you noted earlier Tim Ryan, Representative Tim Ryan getting into this race means now that you've got other options, not just uh, not just, you know, former Vice President Biden. And I think Ryan has a really interesting message. You know, people are, so. people are yeah. looking for for solutions and real examples of how this could work. He points to, um, you know, for example, the, the Lordstown plant in in Ohio. That that's which, in his district. That's in his the district. GM plant. And he's got a real solution. He says DOE, the Department of Energy, has a program here that'll help that'll help to revamp that plant. Plant and reorient towards the sorts of advanced vehicles that people are going to be purchasing, uh, you know, for decades and years to come. The sorts of vehicles that can allow the United States to compete with the China on the global stage in the decades to come. And I think that that's the kind of message that um, that will really help, uh, you know, Democrats yeah. like, like Tim Ryan stick out in this race. And we're going to leave it there. We should also note that he wrote a book, Tim Ryan, Healing America, How a Simple Practice Can Help Us Recapture the American Spirit. On yoga. That's a shout out to you, Christine Murata, our executive producer. Does it for me. Have a great, great weekend, everybody. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, let's face it, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. There's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.